Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing in the room? How's everybody doing online? It's great to see everybody this morning. Welcome to My Revival, part two. Now, this could be a sad Sunday. The Raptors are the playoffs. <laughs> Does somebody cheer against the Raptors there? <laughs> school started. They got nothing for school started, so there is some sadness there. But we can still have joy in God, friends. <laughs> well, as Julianne said, I just want to reiterate what she said. We're getting ready to launch um, city groups here next month, and this series ties right in to us launching city groups and realizing um, in this season, I hope you've realized how important relationships are, um, that we were separated from a bunch of people for a really long time, and so many things we took relationally for granted, I would say, and it's so important for you to get in a group this fall, whether an in-person group or an online group, a you know, the, the groups can't be too big, but, you know, if there's not a group that f- you feel like fits you in this season of life, we're inviting you to start a group. So that's one of the options for you. We're going to be the, the phone uh, number will be on the screen. You can text in and let us know you're interested in groups. There's going to be a place online for you to click. Um, it's so important this fall for us to be sharing our faith. The revival that we want to experience as individuals, we want to then share revival. The scripture says, iron sharpens iron. So as God is doing something in us, that we can uh, share that same thing with other people. And when we affect other people, then we can affect those people around those people. And then that's how revival starts, not just in big meetings necessarily. All right. So just to recap a little bit, last week where we went with revival, just talking about a revival of Thanksgiving, how important it is to be thankful. Uh, We can complain and we can pick out the things in the world that are going wrong, and there's a ton of them, but we, we looked at the scripture last week and saw how important it is to be thankful and how it's such a catalyst for us in life. Now, when we talk about revival, there's great revivals in church history. There's a great awakening. There's the second great awakening. There's the Welsh revival, the Pentecostal revival, just to name a few. And you could study this online and just see the histories of revival in the church. And one of the markers that we see in revival history for the church, uh, the unconverted come to Christ. So people who are far from God, then they come close and receive Jesus as their Savior. The converted are shaken out of their spiritual lethargy. It's marked by prayer. We're going to be talking about that today. There's always an element of prayer in the context of revival. Personal transformation, Holy Spirit, Pentecostal experiences, a move to personal holiness, increased interest in the teaching of the Bible. And then out of all of these revivals, we see churches were planted, universities were started, and there was Christian camps. Now, revival happened in church history. It happened in urban centers and also in rural areas. And then revival, depending on which revival you look at, there is a both a rational um, part of revival. In other words, a revival of teaching in my mind and my thinking and moving back to the ways of God. But then there's also spiritual experiences or emotional experiences that we can have in God. Both of these things are important and necessary. Now, we might lean 
to one of these over the other. We might be a more of a, an emotional person or more of an, a, a rational person, a thinker or a feeler. Um, and God can meet us in both of those places um, because he created both of those things. Um, but we just don't want to stay in the one that is our, our most obvious, that we want to have our emotions affected if we are more of a logical type person. And then also, if we're a more of an emotional person, we have to God, allow God to change our thinking so both can be revived in us. And there's great revivals happening around the world. Uh, people being ushered into the kingdom of God in, in China, in the continent of Africa, in the continent of South America. There's great things happening in the church. Now, when we look at revival history, one of the things that's, that we see over and over again in revival history, there was large crowds. There was gatherings of people in stadiums and, and tents and open air places. And right now, around the world, large gatherings are not encouraged. True. And so what we would think about is like, well, okay, well, then God can't do anything because all revivals in history have been large crowds, and maybe God's power is dormant right now because large crowds can't gather. Now, but we don't want to put um, the locks on God, that God is not waiting up in heaven, you know, for uh, the pandemic to end or governments to make certain decisions, that God is ready to move any and all of the time. The question is, are we ready to be revived? And this is why this series is called My Revival, because what we want to do is allow the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the Word of God in our lives, and once again, not that it would just end with me, but then through relationship, I can help somebody else experience revival. So, can I be a revival, is the question. Can I be revived? Can I allow God to work in my heart? And like, like we said last week, you know, as we were um, attempting last week to improve our front lawn that was in a sad situation. It was in like a really patchy and not great, and there were some dry spots. And we talked, I talked about giving the illustration how my wife wanted me to rake up the dry spots so that we could put in some new dirt and we can put in some seed and then water. It's not looking great, but eventually it will. It's still kind of just dirt and seed. But this is, once again, when, when we start revival, it doesn't happen day one. We ha we're turning our hearts. We're turning. We're starting with thanksgiving. And then, you know, the scripture says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So that's why we're going to be talking about prayer today. So we're starting with thanksgiving and then talking about this idea of prayer, such an important part of revival. Romans chapter 6 verse 3 says this, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And that's what revival means. Just the word uh, revival has to do with coming alive again. Um, it come to life, come alive, gives me life, to cause to live a restoration to life, to restore back from a depressed, inactive, or unused state. And that's what a resurrection is, that we are connected with Jesus in the resurrection, the physical resurrection of Jesus from death to life, that resurrection is meaningful for us. That's what the scripture is telling us. We are joined with, we are connected, we have newness of life, something that was dead 
or that was alive in one point in our life now can be revived in God. Isaiah 57 verse 14 says, and it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the whole, the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. What does that mean? It just means a humble heart. Open to God. I don't know it all. I haven't experienced it all. I'm, I'm not perfectly made in the image of Christ yet. So something needs to be revived in me. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to revive our hearts. So we have to come with humility. Our starting place is going to be with thanksgiving. So another question is, where does his will need to be more manifest in my life? Where does the will of God need to show up more in my heart and in my life right now? That's what we're asking ourselves so that I can actually experience revival. See, all of this, all of life sounds like this in one sense, by the words we say and the actions we take. Life sounds like this. My will be done or your will be done. All of life is like that for now and for eternity. My will be done or to experience revival, we should be saying your will be done, God. I want more of your will to show up in my life. So we're going to be looking at some revival prayers here in the scripture. And what I would say about revival prayers, that revival prayers are not passive, and they are necessary. And they're necessary in a time of suffering, in the time of opposition, um, in a time of non-optimal circumstances, revival prayers are needed. And this is what we see in the scripture. We're going to see some times where people prayed some very specific prayers, and they prayed those prayers when things were actually really going bad and they were experiencing some opposition and it wasn't a good place in the country that they were living in. And they were actually experiencing some persecution. And so we're going to look at a couple of those stories today. But as we introduce those stories, let's talk about prayer here from James chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, is any among you suffering? Question mark. Are you suffering in any way? What is the response? Let him pray or let him or her pray. The response to our suffering is, you know what? I need to pray. I need to be reaching out to God in this moment. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Now, singing praise is also prayer. So in both situations, whether you're suffering or you're cheerful today, what should be our first response? Pray. I'm going to come to God. I'm going to ask God for something, or I'm just going to praise God for something. The response to every situation in life, every circumstance in life, every place in life, optimal or non-optimal, is I'm going to be approaching the throne of God. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. So what's been the response every time to any circumstance listed? Uh, it's time to pray. And it's always time to pray. It's always time to pray. Now, when we think about prayer, a lot of times we can get caught up in how long should I pray? 
You know, and Jesus, with, with his disciples one time, um, said, can't you tarry with me or can't you just be with me for one hour? Can't you just pray with me for one hour? And so a lot of times for, in church history, people like you need to pray for at least an hour a day, an hour from front to back. And if you don't do that, you're not spiritual because this is the thing that Jesus asked us to do. Now, it's good to pray if you can pray for an hour. Great, awesome, amazing. But you're not supposed to take guilt if you don't. But then also cumulatively throughout the day, it's easy to pray for at least an hour if you don't try to stack it up uh, one or the other. But it's just always my response is, hey, it's always time to pray. It's always time to consider God in this moment. Am I suffering? It's time to pray. Does something good happen? It's time to praise, which is also prayer. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. So I'm praying about the situations in my life and then I'm going to ask other people to pray for me if I'm facing sickness that's beyond my own faith. And then what now? Um, If you're struggling with something... We can have a conversation about that, and then we're going to pray for each other. So I'm going to pray as a response to the situations in my life, and then to the situations in other people's lives, what am I going to do? I'm going to pray. Can you see a theme, friends? Can you see a theme happening here in these verses? That prayer is always our first response, never our last resort. Prayer is always first. And just to simplify prayer, prayer is just like talking to the ones you love. Do you dread talking to the ones you love? No, you want to talk to them. These are the people you love. These are the people that love you. It's not hard to talk to them. It's not hard to talk to God. And especially not hard to talk to God because geography doesn't matter. Volume doesn't matter. God can hear you when you pray. You don't have, if you know, if if you're in the grocery store... You don't need to pray loud in the grocery store. In fact, I would recommend you don't. But if you happen to, don't say you go to the city church. (laughs) Volume is not important. And now you're wearing a mask most places. You'd be like, you can just be praying all the time, friends. You know, passing by people somewhere and you could tell somebody's in a stressful relationship, you can pray for them. Passing by an accident on the road on the other side, and you're like, well, I'm going to pray for that person. Seeing something online, man, I'm going to pray for that person. Something happening in my life, I'm going to pray. That prayer is always our first response. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person. Now, how is it that we are righteous today in the eyes of God? The righteousness that we have, we have received from the act of Jesus going to the cross. So we are not righteous in and of ourselves. So that's not the righteousness being described here in these verses. Oh, I have a relationship with God. Therefore... My prayers are powerful. And this is what we need to believe about our time with God, our interaction with God, our communication with God. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
The power of God is always working. It's always working. And like I said, sometimes when we start to pray, like putting the soil out on your front yard and placing the seed, for a while it doesn't look like anything is happening. On the outside, it doesn't look like things are going on, but the scripture tells us the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. God is doing things that you don't understand. And if we think about this, every person has a will. And so when we pray for a person, God can come to that person, but that person can say no. That person can reject the voice of God in their lives. And you know that's true because you've done it. Can I get an amen? I've prayed for my cousin and they're still not saved. God, why are you not doing it? God's coming to their hearts, but they're saying no. That's why we keep praying. That's why we keep asking. Because why? The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now listen to this example. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So here the writer James is taking an Old Testament prophet, and sometimes we put prophet on this, prophets on this special level with God, but he's helping us here. Elijah was a man just like, an, he was just like a man, just like you and me, with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months, and it didn't rain on the earth. But he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So Elijah, just like you and me, he prayed and something happened, and then he prayed again and something happened. And when we think about these <clears throat> situations here in these verses, once again, our response is always prayer. But then to end up on the example of Elijah shows us that our prayers are actually meaningful. Our prayers are important in the context of the life we live, the nation we're living in, the activities of the world. It's important for us to pray. It's important for us to pray as our first response. Now, do you remember who Elijah was? Elijah was a prophet, and he was a prophet um, in the time of one of the evil kings of Israel, and his name was Ahab. Now, Ahab's wife's name, do you remember for all you Sunday school kids, do you remember her name? Jezebel. Name ruined forever, friends. No one has ever walked up to you and be like, look at my new baby girl. And you're like, oh, what's her name? And they're like passing her to you. Her name is Jezebel. And you're like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not touching Jezebel, my friends. Just like Judas is ruined for guys forever. You're not naming your son Judas. You're not naming your daughter Jezebel. Jezebel was a bad woman in the scripture. And Ahab and Jezebel together as a couple, they started worshiping Baal, false gods. And the, the very famous confrontation that Elijah had with the prophets of Baal, you might remember the story. You know, they, Elijah was coming to Israel and says, how long are you going to be between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, you serve him. So they set up the sacrifice and Elijah had a challenge for the prophets of Baal. He said, okay, whichever God answers by fire, that God is God. So they set up the sacrifice, and the prophets of Baal were wailing and cutting themselves, and Elijah was mocking them, saying, I guess Baal is asleep. And before Elijah had his chance to pray for the sacrifice, he said, let's pour water on the sacrifice. Let's do it three times. 
And then the scripture says, Elijah prayed and God answered by fire. And in that moment, uh, Israel responded a different way and Ahab responded a different way. And in that moment, Elijah prayed for the rain and the rain was representative of the power of God, the blessing of God to show up in a place, to show up in a nation, to show up in individual lives. And the prayer of a righteous person has tremendous power as it is working. And that's what you need to believe today, friends. That your prayers are not heard because you're so great. That your prayers are heard because Jesus is so great. And like Elijah, we can pray for the blessing of God. We can pray for the will of God right now in this season of the world because it is so necessary. As I've been saying to you so many times, we can't respond like everyone else. We have to respond in prayer because no one else is going to pray except the church. We, our response needs to be prayer. Our response can't be just like everybody else. And Elijah prayed and something happened. And Elijah prayed and something else happened. And James said, hey, you're just like Elijah. And Elijah was just like you. And he prayed and something happened. And he prayed this prayer for the rain to come. And he sent his servant out. And the servant went and looked and said, you know, nothing is coming. And Elijah said, I hear the sound of rain. And there was no clouds. And this is what praying for revival looks like. I'm praying for myself to be revived. I'm praying for our church to be revived. I'm praying for something to happen in our city, in our nation, in the world. And then we pray. The first time we look out the window, everything looks the same. But our response is always prayer. And then he said to the servant, go again, go again seven times. Keep going. Prayer is not passive. We're keeping to look for the activity to God. We're not stopping to look for the activity of God. We're expecting the activity of God. Go look seven times. At the seventh time, you see, I see a cloud, like a man's hand, so a super small cloud. So he went once, went twice, went three times, went four times, but he kept praying. He kept trusting in that the rain was coming. I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sound of revival rain. But what are we going to do? Are we going to quit when we look at something and it's hard and then, then maybe I'm facing suffering and then maybe weird things are happening in the world and weird things are happening in the church? No, we need to be like Elijah. We need to pray and then we need to keep expecting. We need to keep looking for the activity of God. We're not going to be passive in our prayers. We're going to pray and ask, but then we're going to keep searching and looking and we're going to keep praying for the move of God, and we're going to keep asking because we need to expect that revival reign is coming. And this is why every generation, every individual Christ follower, see, when we need to be involved in asking for revival, something that was dead that can be alive again. The Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the, the Welsh Revival. Can't we expect God to do something right now? Has God changed? No. So that means God could do something right now. So our expectation needs to be lifted by praying. 
by asking. And I hear revival reigns. And so what are we going to do? We're going to pray and ask. We're going to pray and ask. We're going to pray and ask. And then we're going to keep looking. We're going to go keep looking. Not passive. Our prayers are not passive. Another situation in, in the New Testament where the circumstances were non-optimal, but then people prayed bold prayers. In, in the book of Acts chapter 3, there's a, a famous story of oh, Peter and John, and, and they healed a, a lame guy the, at the beautiful gate. And then they preached the gospel, and then the religious people didn't like Peter and John, and they were preaching there in the name of Jesus. And then they had them arrested. Think about that, like church arrest. It's like it can't be that hard, right, to break out of church arrest. So anyway, the religious leaders, they arrested Peter and John, and they were mad at him. They were mad at them because they'd healed this guy, and they had, they had done it in the name of Jesus. They hadn't do, done it in the context of Jewish religious practices. And, you know, and, and they, they were there, and they were talking to the religious leaders, and they were basically saying to them, are we going to make you happy, or are we going to make God happy? Because they were commanding them to pray and to preach no longer in the name of Jesus, but they're like... But Jesus healed this guy. Why wouldn't we stop? Why would we stop talking about Jesus just because the religious leaders don't like it? Why would we stop talking about Jesus just because certain people don't like it? And so they, they left them, they commanded no more, no more preaching and, and praying in the name of Jesus. This is the, what the relig, religious leaders told them. So what did Peter and John do? Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Now, before we read this, could we agree in the religious context that that's non-optimal? There's a lot of opposition there. There's people coming against you. It's, it's not a great situation. Verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices. So what did they do? They responded in prayer. Responded in prayer. Responded by talking to the one who you love and you know loves you. Prayer is not hard. We make it hard because we put too many religious rules on it. Or we've seen somebody pray a certain way. But our response always needs to be prayer. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. Here's an interesting thought about prayer, that when they started to pray, they didn't start with the problem. They started with who God is. This is why, you know, why we pray in Jesus' name. Father God, I'm coming to you in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm reminding myself of how I can come to you and then who you are. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of the Father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is going to be quoting uh, Psalm 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Here they are. They're facing opposition. And they're facing the same thing that they saw in the Old Testament. So what are they doing? They're praying. Let's see what they prayed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. 
And now, Lord, look at their threats. There was something coming against them. And they went to God and they saw something in Scripture that the same thing that would be taking place in their lives. And they, they, they were going to God, and, and what did they go to God and say, well, I guess, I guess we'll just quit. I guess Christianity is just passe. You know, I guess, I guess the scripture has lasted, you know, these 2,000 years, and, you know, the history, the last 2,000 years has been marked by amazing miracles and amazing church events, and the church has done so many things in society, and all of these things have happened, but here we are. And it's 2020, don't you know, Brand? it's 2020, and we just do away with all of these things, and, you know, these are not, not important things, these are not important thoughts. The ways of God are important, it's just kind of just old-fashioned, and so we're facing opposition, and since we don't know how to articulate our faith properly, we just say, well, I, I guess, I guess I'll just do the world stuff. I know the scripture made it this far, but I guess, it, I guess it could just die with us. I guess the church has made it this long, but then I guess we'll just quit because we're facing opposition. And I guess we can't experience revival because we can't gather in big crowds. No, I say none of those things. This is what I want to say. Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's what we need to do, friends. We need to figure out ways to walk in the spirit of God and articulate our faith in ways that people can understand it and we would understand and know the truth and we would understand and know what the gospel means and how it applies to my life as I live it every day and then God, help us to speak that boldly. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to to stand up for what you have accomplished on the cross, God. Help us to be bold in this season. Everybody else is being bold. Why not us? Are you out there this morning? Everybody else being bold? Why can't we be bold? Know what we believe, understand what we believe. Having the Spirit of God on the inside of us and then continuing to speak the Word of God with boldness. We're going to sing one more song here in a second, but I'm going to read you a few more verses. And the song we're going to sing here at the end is like just a big, long prayer. But here in Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus to to teach them how to pray. That Jesus gets to this one portion in the verses and he says this, I tell you, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened Jesus here is talking about prayer but do we see how how 
all-encompassing, he's talking about prayers. That it's not, it's something that we're doing in private and something that we're doing at home and it's something that we don't have to trumpet to the world that we're doing. But prayer doesn't just stop in my asking. What does it do? Uh, everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. So I'm asking for the will of God. I'm desiring the will of God. I'm aligning myself with the word of God and asking for the things that God said that we could have revival. So I'm asking for that. And then what does it say? Uh, The one who seeks finds. And this is so important for young people today. Sometimes your, your, your faith can be confusing and you're not sure how it how it connects to the real world but what you need to do is you need to seek after answers because the one who seeks finds so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to receive something from God and then I'm going to after I pray and I ask and I receive what God I'm going to actually be seeking after knowledge why because I can actually find knowledge and we're going to be talking about that later in the series. I'm going to be actively seeking after the will of God, the plans of God, the thoughts of God. The one who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and then finally, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Spirit, soul, body. When you're knocking on the door, what is that? That's active. That's not passive. I've prayed and I've asked for the will of God. I've aligned myself to the word of God by asking for what he said that I could have and I could experience. Then I'm going to be seeking after knowledge. But then after that, I'm going to knock and I'm going to be looking for open doors. God, what is the next door that you want me to walk through? The door that you are, the door you are giving me. The next step for my life, ask, receive, seek, find, knock, and it will be open. All these things go together with our prayer life. It's not just you at home asking. Yes, it's you at home asking and receiving, but then seeking after knowledge. God, I need an answer for this. But then I also need to walk through the next door that you would have me to walk through. See, our, our prayer life is about our life. Our prayer life is not just home in a closet. It is that praying and asking, but that it's me moving in the direction that I'm asking. It's me seeking after the knowledge that God gives. It's not being passive. And it's in the middle, what we would see in the scripture. It's in the middle of non-optimal circumstances. Could this be one of those times? Will we all agree? (laughs) looking out our windows and on our televisions and on our phones, this is non-optimal. So what's it time to do? It's time to pray. And then it's not just time to pray, it's time to seek. And then it's not just a time to seek, it's a time to knock and say, what, God, what, what's next for me? What's next for the church? What what are the things that we need to walk through? What are the things that we need to understand? What are the things that we need to receive from your spirit, from your promises? Amen. Let's just pray this morning. Father God, we just love you today. 
God, we just pray that all of us as individuals can experience revival in this season. God, we just open our hearts to you, that you're just breaking up the dry ground in our lives. We just say, Lord, whatever way you want to revive us, we just come to you. We come to you with thanksgiving, but God, we come to you asking you for your will, for your plans, for your purposes, for your doors, the places that you would be taking us next. God, we hear the sound of revival in our hearts like Elijah. We're not going to stop looking for the rain. We're going to keep asking and we're going to keep looking and we're going to keep asking and we're going to keep looking. Because, God, we know that you want to do something in this generation. You haven't left this generation out. God, we want to serve your purposes in this generation. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. The first way we can serve God's purpose in this generation is to say yes to Jesus. Making Jesus our Lord and Savior. Having a relationship with God. How do we have a relationship with God? Is it by trying to be perfectly moral? No, you all fail in that regard. Is it by us creating some sort of religion and then offering it to God? Trying to walk up the mountain to God and say, here, God, here's what I've created. Here's what I can offer to you. No, God has come down off of the mountain and his name is Jesus. And he came and he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross. And when he died on that cross, he took your sin and my sin, the thing that keeps us separate from God. And then to affirm that it was all true, God raised him from the dead, all so that we can have a relationship with God. That same righteousness that I talked about earlier in the message. So if you're here in the room this morning, you're watching us online, and if you've never taken that first step in your relationship with God by saying yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. Just a starting place in your relationship with God. So church, here in the room, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. That he died on a cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow your ways and I turn from my own ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at CityChurchGTA. Thanks again for joining us.